You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky Podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball. Stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute, if you're still commuting, or just listen to us uh, at home. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcasts. Just subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56, along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. Uh, lots to talk about. You got the big uh, saga uh, that, that came out. Uh, last night, I guess Tuesday night, with Terrence Clark flirting with the G League um, after uh, the player from uh, who who had committed from committed to Michigan, D committed from Michigan, and is now expected to uh, possibly join the G League. But th- that whole thing, we'll discuss that. Uh, and then, of course, EJ Montgomery making it official that he's gone, and we'll talk about that as well. We got some other stuff. I mean. L- Lynn Bowden is out there quite a bit as the NFL draft approaches. Don't forget to listen to the Locked On NFL Mock Draft special. Uh, I haven't heard if Lynn Bowden is mentioned in there, but I'm sure that thing uh, is so comprehensive. If you're an NFL fan, you'll love that. Uh, you got Sky Clark, a UK recruiting target who's uh, transferring from out there in Los Angeles over here to Nashville to go to Brentwood Academy. Uh, you got Rajon Rondo with the great acts of charity in his hometown in Louisville. Uh, UK women's basketball got some big time transfer news. Two of them, one from Auburn, one from Tennessee. Uh, we can talk about that. Uh, Dr. Uh, Fauci, uh, you know, the main dude on um, infectious diseases for our country coming out and saying that there is a way to resume professional sports. And he laid out how you could do that. So I don't know if we're going to have time for all of that, but we'll definitely have time for Terrence Clark and EJ Montgomery beginning with EJ and John Calipari on Monday. And then again, on Tuesday uh, comments that he made uh, publicly basically let you know that EJ was gone. Like he said, I got five guys declaring for the draft and, uh, the way this has been spaced out, Kentucky makes sure to do it each individual on a different day so that they catch the bottom line on ESPN or you know FS1 or whatever sports channel you're watching that this Kentucky player is declared, this Kentucky player is declared. It just keeps them in the news cycle uh, for more days. And, I mean, John Calipari has a marketing degree for a reason, obviously. And so the latest was E.J. Montgomery, and early on, I didn't think there was any way EJ Montgomery would would turn pro, but then those those comments his father made about wasting another whole year that kind of tipped you off that maybe EJ was leaning this way. And by by this week, after John Calipari a couple times had said he's got five guys going, you just you just knew EJ was the other one. Yeah, I mean, the writing was on the wall with the word waste. I mean, I think I think that just. It was hard for me to imagine, even as I think they tried to walk back some of those comments a little bit. Um, when you use the word waste to talk about a year in school, it's yeah. just hard to imagine you getting getting back to a place mentally where it, you say, oh, you need to go back <laughs> to that place and waste your time. Um, I, I try not to tell kids what to do. Not my life, not my money, um, not my career. Um, and so good for EJ, I would say this is one case where I feel like it's, you know, 
objective, objectively a mistake. Um, I would think anyone outside of EJ Montgomery's immediate family and whatever camp he has um, would agree that it is a mistake. Um, He's a guy who could have had a huge junior year. He had a bad freshman year, a modest sophomore year. He is not on anybody's draft board. And uh, I guess it depends on what his expectations are to call it a mistake, but I know what his expectations were coming to Kentucky as a top 10 recruit. Um, thought he was going to be one and done. Thought, you know, dreamed of being a lottery pick. He's not going to get drafted. Um, yeah. I will be shocked if he gets drafted. If he were in a, a normal situation and he could go work out for teams and go to the combine, maybe he gets drafted. Maybe somebody takes a flyer on him because he has a dazzling workout. And I've seen, I've seen EJ work out, and and when he gets going, if a six ten guy starts making jump shots and uh, you know gliding and doing some of the things you know that skill and athleticism wise that he can do, uh, I could see a team falling in love with him. But because that may not happen and probably won't happen before this draft, I would be shocked if he gets picked. Um, and I can't imagine that on his list of goals were to come play two underwhelming years of college basketball and then go undrafted. Uh, yeah. This is the one that to me doesn't make any sense. And there are others that you could make arguments for them coming back, but you can make strong arguments for them leaving. Uh, Tyrese Maxey was a no brainer. He's a, you know, probably a lottery pick. Um, Emmanuel quickly, you get it. Like he's trying to strike while the iron's hot. Kind of the yeah. same thing with Nick Richards. I mean, if you go from no draft stock to draft stock <laughs> yeah. um, and the best season you've ever had, uh, and you're you know worried about whether you can replicate it the next year, you go. You go try to get paid. Um, and even Ashton Hagens, finishing both of the last two years with a whimper after starting really strong. Um, he does have a translatable NBA skill. He's a, he's an elite level defender. EJ Montgomery doesn't have any skill right now that the, that's, that's proven game in and game out. I mean, you can see flashes of those skills, but like we know he does this well all the time. He has nothing to offer the NBA right now. And so it's a, his is the one decision where if he's okay, not being drafted and thinks I'll make my way through the G league, then I have no argument, you know, with him. Uh, but I, I don't think, I just, I can't imagine that's in his set of goals. So in that way, I feel like someone has to be misleading him about where he's, what's going to happen in the draft. Because I remember he came back from his evaluation last year and him and his family were saying, yeah, they told me I was going to get picked, maybe even at the end of the first round. I do not believe that was true. And I definitely don't believe it is true now. So, um, you know, I hope, I hope it works out for EJ. I think this is a dangerous move. Um, but there's also no guarantee when he comes back. I mean, there is no guarantee that he was going to come back and be this vastly improved junior year, EJ Montgomery. I think there was some legitimate hope for that, but it ain't well, happening. If, if you say the reasoning, you know, if you're talking to NBA personnel or, you know, your agent or whoever is 
you know, helping you in this. And if you say, well, you know, my role was defined. My role was not defined as a scorer. My role was defined as a rebounder and a defender. So that's why you didn't see as much as my of my offense. Uh, making the argument that I was held back. I was playing a role at Kentucky and I was held back. Well, so if if that was the case, if that's the case you want to make, well, now you don't even have a summer league to show it. Like in these two-way contracts where, you know, guys are – uh, on the big club and and being able to also play in the G League, it, it's just this is the the hardest time to prove your worth uh, than there's ever been uh, because of the situation we're in with this pandemic. So he doesn't have a chance to go out there in the summer league and show that I was playing a role. This is what I could really do, which was kind of what his father was saying: is Look, EJ has all the all the weapons in his arsenal offensively. You just haven't seen him. So why go back and waste another year without showing that when you can just go ahead and, and start doing that was the sense that I got is he's being held back a little bit. And Calipari jokes all the time that his players go on and say, yeah, well, he was holding me back. And I, I don't know if, if that's really the case or if, if they wanted more from EJ that he, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious they did want more from EJ and he just didn't show it. Uh, but I got to agree with you. I think it's a uh, a decision that he makes that if he waits another year, then he has an opportunity to to play himself into a first round pick. Like that that exists for him. That opportunity is there, and you've seen it with Nick Richards, with Emmanuel Quickly, with uh, PJ Washington, where another year has helped them tremendously. I mean, he's seen it firsthand. Uh, so. To make this decision where, you know, it just reminds me of the Dakari Johnson decision. Had he come back the next year, he was the missing ingredient that Kentucky needed was a presence inside like him. Whereas uh, next season for Kentucky, they still don't have an EJ Montgomery present. I mean, they might get Matt Harms, the transfer from Purdue, but if they don't, um, then EJ's role is even bigger. So, so I, I'm with you. I just, uh, I just think it's a mistake for him. Why not roll the dice, try to improve next season, and the ceiling for you, or, or I mean, uh, you know, the goal for you would be to play yourself into a lottery pick or a first round pick, or even just in the top sixty, which he's not now, uh, or go in now, don't get drafted, maybe end up in the G League, or maybe wind up, you know, trying to find your way overseas. Uh, it's it's a much tougher road. Either way, I think, because now it's an adult world. It's a big boy world. It's That's that. You don't have anyone in your corner the way you would have at Kentucky with the entire coaching staff in your corner. So we need to get to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about um, Terrence Clark, that saga, as we're talking about the G League right now, that, uh, that thing, that whole idea of not going to college and going straight to the pros is developing in a different way now. And we'll talk about that uh, as we go to break in. Once again, I'll plug, we're, we're going to talk about a Lynn Bowden coming up. So just want to let you know to make sure to tune into the Locked On NFL podcast. They're doing their mock draft all this week, uh, going through the entire first round. And then next week, I think they go into the second round. Uh, it's really unique the way they're doing it. Uh, so I encourage you to go check out Locked On NFL. We'll be back here with more on Locked On Kentucky after this. You are Locked On Kentucky, 
your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. We're back here on Locked on Kentucky. We were talking about E.J. Montgomery, who Kentucky has lost now. Uh, we haven't even gotten to that. Uh, they've lost eight of their nine guys who played last season. Eight of their nine guys who played last season. That's happened a, c- a couple times before to John Calipari, the 2010 team. Lost eight of nine guys, eight guys there. And then in uh, off the 2017 team, he lost eight players. Kentucky did. And John Calipari had to start over again. So he, he's used to it. He's accustomed to doing it. Uh, but that's he's got a great class coming in. What if he'd have also lost Terrence Clark, a uh, top five player in the country, one of several uh, highly regarded prospects? supposedly heading to college uh, that are being tempted by the opportunity to play in the G league, because originally the G league was said to be able to offer like $125,000 as a salary for guys that opt not to go to college. But then there were reports of up to $500,000 and Rod Strickland was involved. The former UK assistant uh, involved in, and trying to persuade these guys. Calipari tweeted about it and said he heard about all the craziness on Tuesday night and that he knows Rod Strickland well, friend of his, all that. And he just said simply, I like my team. And then Terrence Clark, of course, tweeted out and said, my loyalty never changed. I can't wait to get on campus and be a part of the UK basketball team. But this is a new thing where this money has gone up dramatically. Uh, You're talking about Isaiah Todd, who said, I'm not going to Michigan. I'm going to go pro. There was buzz that it was the G League was where he was going. Um, McCour Maker, you know, Thon Maker's cousin, another one. Um, just several guys like this that that the G League is now targeting uh, to take them away from, from that college scholarship and go straight to the pros with not just $125,000, but maybe a half a million dollars for your first year. Yeah, I think it's going to be – this is going to be a new issue uh, for Kentucky, for college basketball. Um, it's it's fairly clear now that Rod Strickland, who's in that leadership position with the G League and the G League slash NBA are, um, you know, that launched an assault, it seems like, on uh, the top, you know, the top tier guys uh, in this 2020 class. And it kind of – I think it's been brewing behind the scenes for months, but it all has kind of come to a head in the last couple of days uh, because Isaiah Todd, who'd long been rumored to be going overseas, uh, finally backed out of his commitment to Michigan and said, I'm going pro, but he didn't say going overseas. Uh, and now yeah. it's believed he's going to the G League um, because Jalen Green, who was down to Auburn and Memphis and announcing on Thursday because he was long thought to be going overseas, but now – it's the all the buzz is G League and a big contract, and because Terrence Clark late last night and a couple of other guys, and I've heard today even more top twenty twenty guys, not any that are uh, committed to Kentucky, um, are being pursued. Uh, they made a move here uh, this year, and you know because there's more money to be offered, and I'm not sure a hundred even when they upped it to one hundred and twenty five thousand that really move the needle but if they're talking now and, and it's unclear i've talked to a bunch of people who are trying to figure out where i've, I've heard the five hundred thousand number others have heard the five hundred thousand number uh, for one guy 
uh, how they're arriving at that. Are they packaging some guaranteed endorsements or, or is the G League going to change its structure? Uh, is it going to look, you know, how exactly are even they going to uh, bring these guys in uh, to the G League and use them? Will they showcase them in some other way than the standard rough and tumble bus riding G League? Uh, where and, and remember, this is at a time when the 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 NBA is asking its players to take a salary cut because of the you know the pandemic and the effects here. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. And, and at so, this time, they're going to raise the salaries for G League guys. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, all things considered, it's a small amount of money. You know what I mean? Like we're talking about stars making you know three hundred million dollar contracts. Yeah. Versus you know if they could pick off five of the top 15 players in the class of 2020 steal them from college basketball and it costs them 2.5 million dollars yeah uh, that's probably actually a good deal and especially if they're not even fronting all that money like i said maybe they're packaging it with endorsements i don't know how it's working i, I need to know more uh, but if if five hundred thousand dollars in any combination is on the table for a guy who you know, like, and the thing is, you, you take one of these, you do it for a year, you get a half a million dollars in what would have been your one college year if you're planning to be a one and done, and you still yeah. go in the draft and you still get the big NBA contract the next year. You just add a whole extra season of earning. Uh, you don't have to pretend you're going to class. You know what I mean? It's all like you're just a professional basketball player. There's some appeal there. If the money is really that big, if yeah, it's, I mean, it's like minor league baseball. You yeah, go to a kid coming out of high school and you offer him a minor league contract and he's got a signing bonus of, let's say, $750,000. In this case, maybe $500,000 NBA-wise. And you say to him, yeah, instead of going to school, we right. will give you the opportunity to learn what we want you job, to do yeah. right now. The NBA game right now. And Spend even if that you, year learning the NBA game. Yeah, And then you, still get your big contract a year later. If you never – if you never um, – make it big, you know, and most of those guys, I think if they're pick, if they're trying to attract the top 10 or 15 guys, you know, every recruiting class, most of those guys are going to get an NBA contract, at least one. And so they're going to, you know, they're going to become millionaires, but even if they got nothing, if they completely busted and they got a $500,000 deal, um, you know, that's a decade's worth of, you know, every man job salary, you know, $500,000. Um, that, that gets you started in life if you handle it the right way. Um, even if basketball doesn't work out. And so I think, you know, 125 K seems like a lot for one year to play basketball, but when you factor in everything and Calipari's made this argument before, yeah, you're going to start, you're going to start luring away people that have no business doing it for something that sounds like a big number, but at 125 K and you pay 40% tax and you pay your agent you know, and you spend right. on stupid crap that 18 year old kids would spend on. You have no money at the end of one year. <laughs> and if, and if it doesn't work out, you're screwed. Um, yeah. And so, but it yeah, is, you got to figure it, these kids coming out of high school, their financial uh, literacy is, is not great. I mean, where, where are they learning, you know, financial responsibility? I mean, so if you wind up with about $60,000 after everything else is taken out for one year of basketball and then it's over, uh, then now yeah. what? Yeah. But 500,000 makes kind of, if it's true, if that number's right and that's a number they're going to pay multiple guys every year, then it is something 
Kentucky is going to have to go to war with. And, and, you know, I think there was some legitimate concern on Kentucky's part when Terrence Clark's name came into the mix last night um, because they have lost their entire starting five. They have lost eight of their nine uh, contributing scholarship players from last season. It is an unbelievable roster turnover. Yeah. Even if, even if nothing else goes wrong, they are going to have an uphill battle to be a legitimate national title contender next year. I think they can be really good because they've got a, one really good guy for sure coming back in Keon Brooks, maybe a second if Dante Allen uh, turns out to be fully recovered and, and as good as people hoped he would be coming in as Mr. Basketball. They got one really nice, solid starting Big East guard uh, coming in as a graduate transfer to give them some experience. And they may have Matt Harms uh, coming in or someone else uh, as a grad transfer big man, but they lost almost everything from last year. And they're going to be relying heavily on freshmen. And the thing that we've realized in recent years about Kentucky when they weren't getting the top, top end guys is if you're going to lean heavily on freshmen, they better be the best freshmen. Yeah. And this year they finally broke back through and they got two arguably top five players in BJ Boston and Terrence Clark. Terrence Clark, I think, is fourth overall in the class in the 247 composite. You know, those are the elite, elite guys. If you lost one of those this late in the game, yeah. with everything else you've lost, I mean, Kentucky would be pretty close to screwed. And so I think they went into uh, scramble mode and I made sure that he was locked down. And then it was a huge deal that he went ahead and just tweeted out unambiguously, you know, my loyalty hasn't wavered. Can't wait to get on campus and you know, chase number nine or whatever he said. Uh, that, yeah. that to me was a big deal that they thwarted that because some other schools are not. I mean, Michigan lost uh, Isaiah Todd. It was a guy, Kentucky. And, and the other thing I would say to you is Kentucky's been aware of this. Cal's been out in front of this for a couple of years and realizing that both overseas and the G League were going to become options that they would have to ward off, that they were going to have to try to sniff these out, guys that would consider that and avoid their yeah. recruitments because then you waste so much time. Uh, and they backed out uh, of the Isaiah Todd recruitment. They, they basically canceled his visit. He was coming for madness, and they canceled it. And I, as I understand it, the family was not thrilled about that. But they weren't going to get kind of taken for a ride, which, as it turns out, Michigan did. Uh, they kind of backed out of the Jalen Green uh, situation. He's a top-five player they would have loved to have had, a great scorer. But it was becoming obvious that he wanted to go pro, probably overseas. And now it turns out it's G League instead, most likely. Um, they've yeah, I mean, Jalen Green's going to announce on Thursday at 1 o'clock on his Instagram page, Memphis and Auburn. It's down to those two, but it looks like uh, it's the G League, actually, right. over Memphis or Auburn. Yeah, I mean, those are – and so Kentucky has tried really hard to sniff those out, and I think it would have really stung them if they got, got sneak attacked uh, on Terrence Clark, and especially <laughs> if the guy doing it was Rod Strickland, who was oh on gosh. Kentucky's staff who John Calipari kind of helped, you know, save his career. Yeah. Um, you know, he had a lot of personal stuff going on. Uh, and, and he Cal, still wound up with a DUI while he was here. Yeah. And, and, and kept Cal, his job. Cal, uh, you know, or didn't tweeted keep out his job that, as an assistant, but he was moved. I mean, right. Calipari could have just said, that's it. Can't have that here. Instead, yeah, he I mean, moved he basically, him into another role. Basically gave him a life raft. So that would I think that whole scenario would have really been a, a kick in the junk uh, for Kentucky. Uh, on the heels of everything else. I, I don't know. I mean, I think the, I think that the general morale and it's still, I think taking a hit today because it's finally 
official that basically everyone left when people thought a few of these guys would stay. But if on top of that, on the same day as you finally lose that last piece in EJ Montgomery, Terrence Clark had flipped to you know the G League, or if it was mm. still even even if it was still up in the air, if they hadn't so definitively shot it down, um, I think the fan base would be and rightly so apoplectic right now. So yeah. it, it was big that he that they locked that down. But this isn't going away. I don't think. I think this is going to be a thing that Kentucky and top programs are going to be battling for a while and and you know it's only going to get worse when uh in terms of roster management better for the players but for the coaches dealing with this when a year or two from now uh guys can go straight from high school to the nba too so then you've got a big wave going from high school to the nba and another wave who maybe can't go to the nba but go to the g league uh or overseas and now instead of worrying that you're losing a handful of guys are you losing 20 or so of the top players from the yeah. you know top 30 or 40 in the country every year. Um, and what's left. I mean, Cal Perry always says Kentucky eats first. They'll get the best of whatever's left behind. But I mean, you know, the best of, of less is still less. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, well, he's talked extensively is. about, you know, his feelings on it and how it should work. And are you really um, protecting the kids? Are you really, doing what's in their best interest and how do you figure that out and do what's best for the kids. But I'll tell you what, Evan Daniels had an article on it on 24 seven sports. Uh, and he, he puts it perfectly. He says, these are not only real appealing alternatives. They fit what the elite players want to do, get to the money and the pros as quickly as possible. And that's what Kentucky has served for so many years under John Calipari. I will get you to the money and to the pros as quickly as possible by the rules that are set out there. And that's what he's done. He is, people say he's manipulated it. Well, he just, he's just playing by the rules that are there and being the, the first to do it. That's what they want. Well, what do the players want? They want to get to the money and the pros as quickly as possible. The rules say they can't go out of high school anymore. So come here. If you want to go, if you're great after one year and the NBA saying you're a first round pick or a lottery pick, Get out. Don't come back to Kentucky. I, I don't want you here. You need to go get that money. You need to make sure you guarantee yourself a two-year contract of millions of dollars, which if you're one of the first 30 guys taken in the draft, that's what happens. You are guaranteed millions of dollars on a two-year contract, no matter what happens to you. And so now that is changing. Now that is to a point where for the first time, John Calipari had to fight off the G League because Terrence Clark has a situation where he can skip going to college for a year because that's all he's planning on doing anyway, right? Go to UK right. for one year and go to the NBA draft. That's the plan. Now he said he could, the G League's coming to him and say, you know, that $125,000, we, we actually have a better plan. We can get you a half of a million dollars for one year. And then when the draft comes up, you got a chance to get that two-year contract of the guaranteed millions. So what do you got to lose here? It's, I mean, it's hard for these guys. You can see why uh, to turn it down. I mean, what happens when this is over? They're looking at, there's a, uh, in the article that uh, Evan Daniels wrote, he brings up one, two, three, four, five different guys, six, six different players in the 2020 class. What if five of those, turn out, go to the G league. 
And then let's see a year after that, what happens? How did that turn out for him? I mean, this is a big, a big moment here. And then the NCAA's response is nothing so far. They have the only way they can combat it is if they are able to offer money to these prospects. I mean, really, again, I come back to what Evan said. They all want to get to the NBA and get paid as quickly as possible. That's what they all want to the point that when the ones they're not even elite to the point where they come to school at Kentucky for one year and they're not getting to the money and they're not told they're a first round pick. They try to leave anyway yeah. to the point where they're not even in the second round with yeah. E.J. Montgomery's case. I think, And they've been here two years. I've waited too long. It's time to go. Yeah, one of the, <laughs> one of the I think, pressing issues that where the NCAA has really dropped the ball is not just going ahead and pushing through some form of name image likeness where guys like that can go ahead and capitalize on their, uh, you know, their value while they're in school where they can, right. you know, Everybody thinks, well, we got to, you know, how are we going to pay them? You don't, maybe, maybe colleges and the NCAA don't, don't have to pay the players. Just give them the freedom to get paid by somebody, uh, sign with an agent and uh, do endorsement deals. I mean, if Kentucky basketball players could do autographs, you know, paid autograph sessions yeah. while they're in school. Absolutely. Uh, if, if they could be on a billboard for Green's Toyota or whatever. Uh, or you know fanatics or whatever you know apparel company and the bit you know uh, and the big you can ones. sell their jerseys with their names on the back and they get royalties for that right and and the big stars are able to you know do shoe deals or whatever they're able to do um you know rob douster for nbc sports made a really good point in the middle of all this kind of blowing up last night on twitter and he said you know it's actually not these top few guys who might leave go straight from high school to the G league that make this NLI thing so important. You know, it's guys like Emmanuel quickly where what if Emmanuel quickly could capitalize on being suddenly the sec player of the year and knowing that if he came back to Kentucky as a junior, he would be a huge college basketball star and have value um, and knew he could make a couple hundred grand next year or whatever it was. Um, then maybe, maybe more of those guys who are, you know, like fringe stars in college basketball who are as, you know, freshmen and sophomores come back as sophomores and juniors. Um, right. Because that's what really makes college basketball better again, is that, you know, your best players, um, come back because, because the, the elite guys, whatever the rules are, the most elite guys are getting out here as fast as they can. Yeah. Um, and they'll skip it all together if they can. But the guys who get to college and they en- enjoy that experience and they start to settle into that, uh, everything that is great and fun about college basketball and loyal fan bases and the NCAA tournament um, and being sort of the big man on campus. I mean, there's a reason that term it, like <laughs> it's a, is a real thing. You know, it's, it's less and less now because guys aren't the, – the stars aren't on campus that long. But big man on campus is an expression because, like, there's something cool about walking around your sort of self-contained community that you're in and being the guy everybody recognizes. And if you could monetize that, some of those guys might stick around and do that a little longer. So I thought that was and really interesting as well. But that that is where the NCAA has dropped the ball and left the door open for someone like the G League to come in and say, okay, we'll fill – there's a need, we'll fill it. 
you know, kids want to get paid. Right. You won't pay them. We'll pay them. And nowhere else are you celebrated more as a, as a basketball star than at the university of Kentucky. I mean, here is where you would have your most lucrative deals, which would be even bigger for Kentucky recruiting. But look, we have spent way too long on this because it is, I mean, it's a huge topic. I mean, I don't think we wasted anyone's time here. There's plenty of stuff to talk about as far as that goes, but that means we have one more segment that's going to be pretty short. Uh, So we'll squeeze in some talk about Lynn Bowden here when we return on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. All right, we're back here on Locked On Kentucky. Uh, Several things that I mentioned at the top of the show that we wanted to get to that we're not going to have time to get to, but uh, mentioned that, you know, Sky Clark, someone that UK's recruiting, um, he has transferred to Brentwood Academy in Nashville. He was living in LA and we know the, you know, the trouble Calipari has had keeping kids from the West Coast. Uh, so now he's going to be in Nashville. So he already, if he's homesick, he'll, he'll find out next season. Um, uh, the UK women's basketball transfers, Kentucky got uh, a transfer from uh, Auburn, Robin Benton. Uh, she was a starter, averaged like 10 points a game for Auburn last season. They got another transfer from uh, Tennessee, Jasmine Massengill. And she was, uh, she's played in 53 career games. She was second on the team in assists last season. I think she started all but one game last season for Tennessee. Uh, And you got Treasure Hunt coming in as a recruit. Ryan Howard's back. Now those two transfers would still have to sit out next season if the rules stayed the same. You know, if it wasn't changed and you had that one-time transfer rule, all that stuff, so that they could play right away. Uh, If they could play right away. Uh, I'll just say this without going all through it. It would be Matthew Mitchell's most talented bunch he's ever had. If those two transfers could play right away. Cause you remember the PAC 12 player of the year transferred a season ago and already sat out last season. So the PAC 12, a freshman of the year, not player of the year um, is on the Kentucky roster and will be eligible to play this coming season. So uh, on to one more thing before we get to Lynn Bowden is Rajon Rondo back in Louisville, his hometown. He went out his foundation and him, went out to a Kroger in Louisville and, you know, now they have the senior citizen window where senior citizens have their time at the grocery store before at Kroger, at least before they open it up uh, to the rest of the population. And during that time uh, his foundation and, and he bagged groceries and then bought the groceries for dozens of senior citizens at a Louisville Kroger. And uh, WDRB story that I saw from this had one guy, uh, that he had his groceries bought for him. And his his quote was that uh, not only did Rondo do this, but he came to the hood and did it. He didn't go to you know, a Kroger somewhere else in town. He came to the place where it's needed most was kind of what this guy was saying. So that And they handed out gift cards for the next time those people go to Kroger. So really cool to see Rajon Rondo do that. Now, to Lynn Bowden as we close up here, because especially with the NFL draft coming up and locked on NFL uh, and their mock draft special that's going on. I encourage you to go listen to that. It's great stuff. But Lynn Bowden has started to pop up in all kinds of uh, national uh, outlets, media outlets, publications uh, regarding his draft status and his draft stock. And I mean, the one on Bleacher Report was like, uh, nobody's ever, seen anything like him before. <laughs> they asked if he was uh, the next NFL unicorn. <laughs> I would say 
there has been someone like him before, specifically out of Kentucky, with Randall Cobb, who played right. quarterback for a season when he was a freshman. He did not have nearly the success Lynn Bowden had yeah. at quarterback, but Randall Cobb was a receiver. He wound up playing receiver and being a really good one, wound up being a really good kick returner as well. So his kind of style of play, but uh, even Randall Cobb didn't have the kind of success Lynn Bowden has had uh, running the football. And in that regard, he is quite different. Yeah, I think um... – you know, the to me, the interesting thing about all these stories about Lynn Bowden are it feels like he's got some good PR people behind him that are really like pushing and making a blitz <laughs> for him yeah. because he's showing up all over the place and all these sort of deep and thoughtful stories about him are being done. So they're obviously setting up access for him. The NFL, NFL.com, Chase Goodbread did a huge piece that was, um, you know, similar in some ways to the profile I wrote of Lynn back in the fall kind of exploring his roots in Youngstown and the complicated nature of his story and some of the rough things he saw and did growing up and uh, how his tattoos tell his story and the way he's changed and matured and, you know, escaped a potentially dangerous, maybe even deadly lifestyle uh, in Youngstown. So that was yeah. one earlier in the week, uh, as you, as you said, the bleacher report profile of him saying is Lynn Bowden, the NFL's next unicorn, um, yeah, I think they compare him uh, to Taysom Hill, um, yeah. who is sort of the do-everything guy, utility man. Um, he's lined up at like running back, wide receiver, tight end, quarterback, all of that for uh, the New Orleans Saints with Drew Brees there. You know, and, and there are other stories that I know that are in the works. And so um, that's good. I mean, it, it, the thing that is, I think, smart and, and good to see for Lynn is that he appears to have gotten some good people on his team um, as they lead up to the draft. Uh, the other thing I would say about that is there's a lot of there is real interest um, in Lynn. And I think he is becoming, a, you know, in part because of this media blitz, but I think also just because largely because of the way he played last season and how dynamic he was and how even when everyone knew it was coming, nobody could stop him. Uh, the NFL is increasingly curious about him, and they, they want to have some questions answered. And so I've had uh, some of our NFL people at The Athletic have, have told me that different uh, front office people, GMs, you know, scouts, et cetera, have asked them for logins to our website to read that profile from back in the fall because uh, you know one of the things that made that thing one of the most read uh, stories we've had um, is because Lynn was so open in that story and he was yeah. you know, brutally honest about where he came from, what he had been into when he was younger, what he had escaped from. Um, and they wanted to take a look at that because they wanted, they're, they're trying to get a feel like, is he, is he a risk? Um, because talent wise, I think the NFL is getting really excited about what Lynn Bowden is. Um, and I think some of this sort of, uh, feature story offensive that we're seeing out there on behalf of Lynn Bowden is trying to get ahead of that and uh, assure people that he is a different guy and they're going to be, it's, it's right. safe to take him. Um, so I, now I am, you know, hearing some of that and reading all this, I am fully intrigued um, to see how high could Lynn Bowden go? Um, Cause I think it's a lot higher than I initially thought. I know I saw, I can't, I can't remember now who it was. One of the big, um, you know, sort of mock draft guy said that he had moved Bowden up like into the early fifties, um, which would be second wow. round, which that would be great. I mean, that's a great contract. 
uh, for a guy like Lynn, who's trying to secure his family's future, second round pick gets good money in the NFL. Um, and that would right. be, that would be great for, great for him and for them. Well, I think, uh, you, you know, you mentioned Taysom Hill and that that's come up, but to me, he is more fit like uh, what the Patriots do with their guys when they got like a, when they had a Wes Welker and they got uh, uh, Julian Edelman and um, who, who's the guy? Uh, there's one more that Danny Amendola, those kind of guys where they're like uh, little uh, but possession. Powerful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, powerful I mean, the possession together, type yeah. receivers, but that you can, you know, put them in different positions. But I mean, they're mainly slot guys, but they're ultra competitive. You know, Bill Belichick is so good at finding those fits. The Patriots have the 23rd uh, pick in the first round. I, I don't know that he would go that high necessarily. The 32nd overall pick is Kansas City. Think about Tyreek Hill and how they've used him in that offense uh, that Andy Reid runs. I mean, 32nd. Overall pick, I mean, the last pick of the first round, Kansas City seems like a really good fit. Uh, If you were to fall a little further, the second round, pick number 43, Chicago Bears, that's Matt Nagy's offense. They've tried to use, um, oh, the little guy. I can't remember his name now. The little, uh, similar to a Tyree kill, they got a a small guy, a little guy that didn't have as good of a season last season, but his first season under Matt Nagy had that role where he was in the slot and they'd use him uh, out of the running back. They'd use him in the slot. They'd use him on end rounds, jet sweeps, the Tyree kill role role uh, in the Kansas city type offense. Chicago runs that same type of offense. So, I mean, 32 or 43 seem like great fits. Uh, Chicago picks at 50 as well. Uh, that would be another spot, but those offenses uh, more so than any of the others, um, seem to be great fits and, and who knows with um uh, bill belichick may, maybe he wants <laughs> somebody who can line up out of the wildcat now that tom brady's gone I, I don't know 23 seems a little high but i mean i could see him going you know to the kansas city chiefs or see him yeah. going you know in the middle round uh middle middle of the pack of the uh of the second round well it'd be a great deal for him if he could go to a you know a contender um right in whatever round I, I think if you're a guy like lynn landing in the right type of environment where they're a very professional environment and there's a culture already established and there's veterans who will sort of pull him in the right directions in those early years of his career and then also where the pressure is not on to like carry the team um yeah you know, where he can just be they can just experiment and figure out ways to use him. Uh, I think would be uh, huge for a guy like Lynn. So yeah, if he goes to if he goes to Patriots or the Chiefs, I mean, forget about it. He's gonna he's gonna be, I think, a terrific player. You know, if he goes to a bottom feeder and they don't have any real clear direction and they don't have a lot of playmakers, and all of a sudden it's all on Lynn Bowden, everybody's hopes offensively are pinned to Lynn Bowden. I think that uh, could get. I mean, it may go great for him. I mean, it went <laughs> went great. This last year at Kentucky when everything was on his shoulders, but there's a different story in the NFL. In the NFL. Tariq Cohen is the Chicago player I was trying to think of. And in 2018-19, which was Matt Nagy's first season as the Bears head coach, and Matt Nagy came straight from running Andy Reid's offense to become the Bears head coach. And Tariq Cohen, five foot six, uh, out of um, North Carolina A&T, he had 71 catches for 725 yards, five touchdowns. He had 444 yards rushing and three touchdowns. So you're you're talking about exactly what Lynn Bowden could do for you. 
Uh, also, I will throw out there that I'm a huge Bears fan, so I would love to see Lynn Bowden <laughs> lined up on my team. All right, we've gone way too long, Kyle, but you know we're only doing this three times a week now, so we're going to talk to you again on Friday, and uh, so this will give you plenty uh, to carry you over into Thursday. You can listen to half of it on Wednesday and half of it on Thursday, and then we'll be back with more on Friday. So uh, in the meantime, follow us on Twitter. I am at D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R. Kyle is at? Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. All right. I already told you to go listen to the Locked On NFL podcast. Also, tell your smart device to play the latest episode of Chad Ford's NBA Big Board so you can find out more on where some of these Kentucky Wildcats are projected to go. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you on Friday. You are locked on Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.